You are now tuned in to Believe. Do you believe? Basic altruism. When when we gift someone something, whether it's like an actual like physical object or um, or compliment or whatever it is, it's actually even more of a gift to the person giving it than it is to the person receiving it. That's backed up with science. And so we have to, if it helps anyone listening to think of it that way, that you're actually giving the other person a compliment in return without even saying anything more than thank you. You're, you're actually gifting them something really powerful by being able to truly and deeply receive what they are giving you. Welcome. Thank you for tapping into some Untapped Keg, our podcast about sobriety and mental health, where we spotlight stories of sobriety that provide (laughs) hope and love. (laughs) I'm RJ Zimmerman, and I am extremely honored to be joined by Emily Goff today. Emily is a human connection coach, writer, speaker, and host and founder of the respected Top 200 podcast room to grow how are you doing this morning emily thanks for joining us i am awesome thank you for having me rj i'm excited to do this <laughs> <laughs> me too so little little backstory here i uh you know jenny every, uh, we mentioned jenny a lot i think jenny is now a character on the show so jenny <laughs> jenny is wonderful and she she uh, is watched well obviously she's been a part of it but we had one show and she was like, hey, you should check out this uh, podcast I listened to called Room to Grow. And I was like, huh, that sounds interesting. So I listened and instantly I was in. Like what you talk about, it, it helps me to think about things from a different perspective of myself. And um, I I connected a lot. And then I knew that at some point I wanted to reach out to ask you to be on the show. And this year, a lot you've talked about being a friend to yourself and what that looks like and also the process of growth and uh, the relationships that we have. So like, I was like, okay, now's the time because this is literally what I'm going through right now. So I reached out and you were gracious enough to come on. So um, I guess let's, why don't we get a little bit of a background on your, how you started to be a friend to yourself and then we'll get into kind of everybody, everything else there. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's never just like anything else. I know this sounds cliche, but there's never a destination here. Exactly. It's, it's all part of the journey and it's always going to be ever evolving. There's Mm -hmm. going to be new things that come up to teach us new things. Um, I, I mean, I, I think that I felt like I was always relatively confident, but I went through, um, is a very difficult relationship breakup where there was uh, there were a lot of factors involved with that that were very confronting, like betrayal and, and things like that. And that really brought me face to face with myself and going, okay, what have I been choosing to tolerate and why? What is it that I need to unpack about myself to to get to the point where I feel totally comfortable in my own skin? Because if I'm not able to do that, 
I'm going to have a really hard time forming healthy, fulfilling relationships and healthy relationships equate to me with honesty. You can't have a healthy relationship without honesty. And Mm -hmm. then that has to start with the relationship that you have with yourself. It doesn't mean that you're going to be 100% healed before you are worthy and deserving of a beautiful romantic relationship. If if that's the direction that we're talking about, because we can take this different directions, like friendship relationships and platonic relationships too. But uh, romantic ones tend to be a hot button issue because that brings us face to face with ourselves more than anything else. And we, we have to learn to get really honest about where we're at and to accept where we're at before we can start to move forward. And that was ultimately what I really had to reckon with was this whole idea that gets thrown around the online space a lot about learning to love yourself. And I'm like, if you don't even like yourself, that's, that's a, that's a fucking big jump. Like to go from <laughs> liking to loving, yeah. right? It, like yeah. we can't even actually wrap our heads around that. And we have to go, we have to start before we even like ourselves, we have to start at acceptance to accept the flaws, to accept where we're at, to accept that, yeah, there are these things that I maybe don't love about myself. There are these things that I want to improve and to, to change and to grow upon, but I can accept that I am where I am and that this is uh, the start of, of this new journey that I'm embarking upon. And then you can start to move towards liking yourself and And other people that we bring into our lives are also a really great way to help us learn what to like about ourselves too. Because sometimes, you know, we we aren't islands. We are not meant to do these journeys alone. This is why I do human connection because we are, we are wired for connection. And sometimes we need to have these, these beautiful relationships in whatever form they come to us in to teach us about ourselves because we only know who we are as a human because we have learned in relation to others who we are otherwise we wouldn't have any anything for comparison we wouldn't not not that this is a comparison in terms of you know like like putting a uh putting ourselves up against somebody else, right. but just comparison in the sense of looking for the nuance and the complexities and like, Oh, you do something this way. I feel this way. It's a little bit different. And that that's okay. Like, again, that acceptance piece is really, really important. And the way you talk about it, like just there too, that's why I connected so much with it because going from hating yourself to loving yourself is not going to happen. It's unreasonable. Like you talk in realistic terms with everything. And like Mm -hmm. you said, like just because you start to accept and even like head towards the liking does not mean it's always going to be this perfect relationship. Like it's not a destination. And that's same with sobriety, recovery, honestly, mental health. Like this, there is no destination where everything is just, everything is great. Like, you're giving yourself the tools to be able to handle those lows that come because life, life still happens, right? We don't have control of as much as we think we do. And even within ourselves, we don't have total control of as much as we think we do either. So I just, yeah, I love the way that you put that. It just, for myself, like it gives me, it really gives me hope. And good, good. for a little background too um, about myself, I hate like hated myself and self-loathed myself so much that I didn't even know I did. Like that was just it. that was just it for me. Like I didn't even realize that until 
there was a moment where I was able to step back and think about myself. And I was like, you know what? That's because I don't like myself. So I self-sabotage everything because I'm expecting something bad to happen. But why does something bad have to happen? And that was when I started to look and like, oh, maybe I should, you know, start to be more of a friend to myself as much of a cliche as that, but that is, but I am a good friend and I can say that even even when I was, you know, I didn't like myself, I always wanted other people to be happy. Like that helped make me happy. So hearing you talk the way you did, it was like, it was the perfect thing that I needed to hear in that moment. Um, I like that you mentioned um, expecting to like, almost like expecting the worst to happen mm -hmm. because there's three really significant components to relationships that I talk about a lot, standards, boundaries, and expectations. So standards are the, the minimum required bar that we require people to meet, to be invited into our life. And we also need to be taking responsibility and ownership to show up with, to meet those same standards ourselves. We can't be, you know, looking to everybody else to meet a certain standard, then we aren't actually showing up that way either. So there, whatever that looks like in terms of certain values for you, like honesty, integrity, like what do you, what do you require as like the minimum standard bar for people to meet? Then we have boundaries. So boundaries is like its entire own conversation about what we will and won't tolerate. Mm -hmm. And then actually enforcing those boundaries because otherwise they're just suggestions. Then we have expectations and we have to manage our expectations. So we, we need to have standards. We need to have boundaries. We need to manage our expectations because expectations are where we get disappointed. We, we project onto other people these uh, almost unspoken contracts that we may not even be conscious to ourselves, but we've maybe written an entire story in our head about who we think they are or who we think we are. Um, who, what we think the relationship between us is, and it can be a cause of a lot of heartbreak. And it's very normal for human to have expectations, but we have to be really cognizant of them and to manage them. And in the instance that you're talking about also managing those, noticing those moments that come up where if we're experiencing joy or we're experiencing happiness or whatever, or something is going really well, whatever that looks like we can have these moments of expecting it to be taken away, mm -hmm. especially if you've maybe been in deep pain for a long time, you've maybe suffered a lot. Uh, maybe you spent some time at rock bottom and we can then have that, that moment of being so comfortable in the, in the discomfort and in perhaps, you know, the, the pain, the suffering, whatever that looks like that then when, when we have even a moment of ease, we don't trust it like, well, how long is this going to stick around for? And that can come to us in the form of something that we're doing for ourselves, something that is happening in our lives, um, a relationship with somebody else that, you know, all of those things, it can, it can be that sliver of, of time where things are going really well, but then we, we can't even appreciate it because we're so stuck in the, the old familiar story of being let down, mm -hmm. even if it's letting ourselves down that we can't see out of that. And that's, that's a really easy way to stay at rock bottom, to just set up shop down there and to never leave. And to, to then have your entire view of the world 
really impacted in, in a significant way that's it's hard to live that way. It's really hard to live that way. So it starts with like, you know, the acceptance of where you're at and being open to different experiences, even if they're not what you're expecting, because if you're expecting the worst, you might never get to, ex- to experience the really beautiful things that are coming your way too. Abs- that's yes. I, every, everything you said there, like a, the standards part, the, um, you know, the expectations and all of that, it, it makes sense now, but like when I was in it, so like I hated like the, uh, philosophical way of looking at things like, you know, and especially like the, um, the, the people I'm like, Oh, that's not how life is. And now like, I'm totally buying into it because that's how I feel. Like as much as like, as much as it it, it is corny and all of this, like it's, to me, it's, it's now it, it, it makes sense. Now it makes like, I, I'm starting to work on it and it's, it's, it's a slow process. This is something that I've kind of been working on a little bit the past two years, really. Um, but I haven't really like dove headfirst into this, uh, like I have the past few months. And part of it is I finally have my ADHD kind of in check where I changed my medication and like that was now all of a sudden my thoughts made sense, but I started this mind, mind shift change when I wasn't medicated. So like that also kind of, I think helped set the stage where I thought about this stuff, but then all of a sudden now my thoughts are kind of in a line and going slow enough. I can p- actually pick them out and see what they say. And they're not just blurry. Um, so I, I have this, but you know, where you start from, it's for everybody's going to be different. Everybody's journey is going to be your own. Um, whether you're starting at, rock bottom if you're starting at the middle one thing i used to do and sometimes i still fall into it i think it's a human um something that we do as humans i look at other people's struggles and stresses and i'm like i don't have it as bad as them why why am i struggling they're they have it a lot worse they should be struggling yes they're doing better than i am mentally internally at least what they're projecting outward i don't know what they're doing internally why am I, you know, why do I suck at life <laughs> kind of a thing? So starting from there and then kind of working at it is and getting these steps, because that's really what it is, is it's not it's not so much follow this and you're going to get where you're going. It's like, here's some things that work for me. Try it. See if it helps you. Here's something else that maybe you could try. And it really is trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I actually love that you're bringing this up because this is a really common problem. Brene Brown calls this comparative suffering. When, when we take our own suffering and then we look at someone else who's had it so much worse and, and, and we, we do that, like we, we create this scale almost of suffering and we're like, well, they seem to be doing better than me, but they have had it way worse. And what, what is my problem? Like, why can't I, I get my shit together basically? And what, what Brene Brown teaches as well is that, you know, suffering does not, um, when, when we compare suffering, it doesn't lessen anyone's suffering. (laughs) 
So it doesn't lessen ours. It doesn't mm-hmm. lessen theirs. It's all about what you decide to do with it and how you decide to approach it. There's also um, another really beautiful uh, author named Dr. Edith Eager, and she is in her mid nineties. She's a Holocaust survivor and she's a psychotherapist and she is fantastic. And she, this is what exactly what she teaches on similar to Victor Frankel. She actually studied under Victor Frankel and they talk a lot about, you know, creating meaning from circumstances and, and all of that stuff. And a lot of the people that she teaches will look at her and say like, I am upset about this thing that happened in my life. But like, that's nothing compared to you. You lived through the Holocaust. She lost most of her family. Mm-hmm. And, and she said, yes, but it's not about the comparison. It's it, everyone, everyone has suffering that is unique to them. And it's not about the, the, the comparison of one to the other. It's about how you choose to manage it and what you decide to do with it too. What you decide to alchemize it into to serve you and fuel you on your, your growth and, and your journey towards what you're, you're moving towards. Mm-hmm. And that's the best way to put it is what you're moving towards right? Mm-hmm. Like what setting those expectations, yes. like, as you said, like, what, what do I want to do? Well, I've said often that you have to try to be your best self every day, like try to be better. Even if you don't reach it, if you don't feel like you reach it, you're trying. That's all we can do is people's try. But I didn't, I didn't live it to my core, right? I still had the perfectionism. I still had, was I doing enough? Like, I've talked with some friends about this. What is enough? What does that mean? Why do why do I keep saying am I I'm not doing enough but I'm tired like I'm burned out? Why is it that I'm putting too much into something and not enough into what I enjoy? You know, am I not enjoying everything? Like for and then that led to more self-loathing, right? So like this perfectionist idea that I know I can't attain but I'm going to strive for because that's what I should be striving for. Like, no, that's terrible. Why? Who cares? Like, perfection, there's no beauty in that. You're a robot. Why do you want to be perfect? Perfection doesn't exist yeah. either. Perfection doesn't exist. And, and perfectionism is, is simply fear in disguise. That's all it is. It's fear and insecurity in disguise. And, and I feel you on that because I also have and continue to struggle with perfectionism sometimes because it's it you know when we're especially when we're doing stuff like this like putting content out into the world and and sharing our story and and it's very vulnerable and we want to approach it in a particular way and it's really hard to not have that come up but there is no such thing as as perfection and we end up just delaying the action I, I had a coach years ago who taught who um who taught me action over anxiety So if you're starting to feel like really anxious about something, then to just take like one piece of action, something, anything, whether it's like go for a walk or like do something to move Mm -hmm. yourself forward. It can be something as as simple as like, like have a glass of water, you know, maybe you're dehydrated, just some little thing and, and sort of the, the me versus me idea, as opposed to the comparison idea. Mm -hmm. So can you be 1% better than you were yesterday in the most minuscule way? And, you know, and it doesn't mean 1% better at everything. It can mean 1% better at drinking enough water. Like <laughs> that can be the, what starts you to progress forward a little bit. And did you brush your teeth twice? Did you floss? Right. Did you floss this time? Like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. That's, that's really, that's great. I like that being 1% better. And that's anything that you're doing. Cause yes, you know, that's, it's something that, you said earlier too about being uncomfortable, right? Mm. Anytime we make a change, 
It's uncomfortable. Period.、Absolutely. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter、yeah. if you did it years ago. Now you're gonna start doing it again. You're back down to almost the starting level. You might have some skills that kind of help you a little bit, but that's something that、um, we talk talk a lot about because when you start to go sober, everything that you used to do feels uncomfortable. Everything、mm-hmm. you used to take. You know,、uh, used to relax you. It it feels uncomfortable because you used to you you have that feeling in the back of your head with what whatever your you know toxic coping mechanism was, and that's something that you have to maybe find a brand new hobby, start something different. But you want to talk about the ultimate in being uncomfortable. It's when you know you go through life feeling like when you do anything for yourself. You're selfish, right? And now, all of a sudden, you're saying that、um, I need to take time for myself, and that's okay. Or I need to not talk about myself like that because that's not true. I am a person who deserves to be loved. I deserve to feel that love. I deserve to be heard and actually、uh, my opinion、uh, taken into account. Like all of this. When you when you're used to everything about yourself being selfish, and you start doing stuff like that, it is uncomfortable. <laughs> it is. It is. I I've told this story on the podcast to you. I can't remember which episode, but you may have heard me talk about this. I I have a mentor who this is、um, probably a couple of years ago now. She she and I were having a conversation, and I I said the thing that we we've all seen before. I said something about、um, well, we're own, we're we're our own worst critics. Mm-hmm. And she just looked at me and she said, "I'm not." And I was like, "Oh my god!" I had this light bulb moment of like, "There's another way to do things." <laughs> <laughs> and she and she used to be very up in her head all the time, incredibly、mm-hmm. self-critical. And and we can we retrain our our brains. We can rewire our brains. It just takes time and practice. And she said it was all I I started doing was just catching the thoughts as they came up. And then rewriting them into something different.、Mm-hmm. And she said, "Now I've done it so many times for so long that it's just automatic." She's like, "Those thoughts barely ever come up at all." And she's like, "If I if they do manage to kind of sneak their way in, I just redirect them almost immediately and and have a conversation about myself with myself about okay, like what's what's really going on? Like I've done all this work, so why is this particular thing coming up? There must be something there that I need to unpack a little bit, and then going about it that way." But It is sort of this this light bulb moment where what we assume to be true becomes no longer true, and I think it's really important to often challenge a lot of the beliefs that we hold because where are those stories actually coming from? Where are they originating from? Where were they maybe handed to us, and they aren't actually ours to carry anymore, and we can let that go. And and that's not easy work to do. That there's a lot involved with that, but I do think that that's a really important part of learning to actually like yourself. I that is it's very important, and yeah, like just just hearing the not the self love, like the liking yourself, like that still feels every single time I hear it, it's powerful to me. So. Like I have to kind of、uh, take a deep breath because that that is what it is. It's not like you love yourself over everything. It's not, you know, it's not just straight into I'm 
perfect as I am or I'm, you know, the greatest or anything. It's just, you know what? I'm okay. I'm fine. That's what it can start with. And that's, yeah. it's so important to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. We, we need to be able to tell ourselves that because we won't always have people around who can validate us. Some people go their whole lives without ever really having that true validation. Like they may not have the level of support and we have, yeah, we have to find ways to, to give it to ourselves. Like we're wired for connection and yes, we, we need that connection piece, but that connection piece has to start from within too, because if, if you despise yourself, it doesn't matter how many people around you very genuinely share with you how much they, they love and appreciate you and, and all of your amazing qualities. It won't matter because you will be closed to actually receiving it, to actually feeling that you'll hear the words, but they won't matter. They won't actually hit you where they need to hit you because you aren't willing to accept them, to receive them. So that's the ultimate work of acceptance is learning to accept ourselves so that we can also learn to accept what others gift to us. That's, I mean, that's your, you're talking about me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, anytime anybody told me literally anything, even if I knew I was, you know, good at it, uh, let's say baseball playing the outfield, I made a good catch. People would tell me, oh, nice catch. It's, oh, they're being polite. It's, oh, mm. they, you know, that's what they're expected to say. So that's why they're saying it. Like, that's how, even though I knew it was a good catch, like it's still, I didn't, I didn't actually like accept people's compliments. And this got to the point that, you know, my partner was just like, why would I give you a compliment? You don't ever accept them or take them. And I could see it in your face. So why would I just do that? And it's like, yeah, I kind of, I understand where that comes from because it would rub me the wrong way if I'm telling you something. And that's why when I give compliments, a lot of the time, I'm very over the top with, I'm not just saying this to say it like I truly and honestly mean it. And I need you to understand that I mean it. And the reason that I would do that is because that's maybe what I would need to hear for myself to be able to remove those walls just a little bit and let some of those compliments come back. So it is, it is very, so what there, I say, there's go for it. There's a lot of trust in that. Yeah. So trusting the other person that the other person is being genuine too. Because if we're walking around with the lens of anything positive about me must not be true, then it means that we're not actually even trusting the person who is giving us that compliment. And it's also actually a slap in the face to the person giving the compliment to the person yeah. trying to give you something because it comes down to basic altruism. When, when we gift someone something, whether it's like an actual like physical object or um, or compliment or whatever it is, it's actually even more of a gift to the person giving it than it is to the person receiving it. That's backed up with science. And so we have to, if it helps anyone listening to think of it that way, that you're actually giving the other person a compliment in return without even saying anything more than thank you. You're, you're actually gifting them something really powerful by being able to truly and deeply receive what they're giving you. 
And, and there's a lot, there's a lot involved with that. When we can start putting ourselves in the position of the other person too, that may be the little mindset shift that some people need to be able to actually start opening to the compliment. And then they can end up getting to the point of actually deeply feeling the compliment. So you can start by challenging yourself. Um, you know, a lot of times people will give us a compliment and, and if we're not used to receiving it, we might just deflect it. Or we're like, oh, like, you know, they tell us we're really good at something. We're like, oh, like not that good. Or it, it, we'll just kind of find ways to deflect or we'll deflect with humor or, um, or somebody can maybe say like, oh, I, I really like your, your outfit. And then almost as a, <laughs> almost as like a, a, um, a reflex response, we're like, oh, I really like yours too. As opposed to just saying, thank you. Just thank you. Mm-hmm. So and- that's, that's like a little challenge that, that I want to kind of put out there is, when somebody gives you something or, or whether it's a compliment or something else to practice simply saying, thank you, thank you and receiving it. And then as you do that over time, you may start to notice that that starts to shift your relationship with giving and receiving. That is, uh, you know, something that I noticed too. So part of what kind of finally clicked the light bulb that I needed to work on this was uh, thinking about my kids and what they're seeing like when they say I love you daddy but like you know basically I had two paths that I could go because of where I was I could become jaded and negative or I could start to enjoy myself and try to be the best RJ that I could be like really enjoy myself and really try to be the best RJ. And then I'm not just telling them and not showing, like I'm actually going to show them as well what to do. So thinking about them saying, I love you, daddy, or, um, you know, their hugs, you know, you're my best friend kind of a thing. But if I don't love myself, you know, am I going to be like, how can you love someone who sucks so much as me and then start to not just not accept it but kind of like push it away and make them jaded as well like that that was kind of where i was like nope like i cannot i i have to do something about this because it's you know it, it started i've talked about this too like i have had my entire life for as long as i can remember a hole in my being in my soul right right in my heart and I tried pouring alcohol into it and it just sucked it all up. You know, tried pouring work into it and just sucked it all up. Then I had kids. And for a little while, I tried, you know, putting my kids' love there and it just sucked it all up. Well, what am I really looking for? I'm really looking for myself to say it's okay. Like, not just say, but truly and deeply mean it's okay and part of part of that is allowing my emotions to happen and being top of mind as you've said too like that's really the and amanda white has said this as well when she was on the show um at therapy for women on twitter and instagram she talked about how being top of mind is the precursor to change when when we make a change you really it's not so much that you're doing it right every time, but it's that you're thinking, oh, I that's something that I need to do, or oh, I need to do this. So you start to work on it, and eventually it works. Well, 
you know, yesterday I was, I got irritated for some reason. I was kind of like angry and I started thinking about it, trying to figure out where this was coming from. Why do I feel so on edge? What, what's going on? Well, it was a comment that I heard that I took personally that was not meant as a personal attack. So it's like, okay, now that I know that, it's okay that I felt that way, right? But that's not what was meant. Let's go into like what really was meant. And this all happened probably within two minutes of my internal discussion. And then it's like I started to feel a lot better after that happened. But before this mindset shift that I had, I would have just been irritated and been like, oh, it's just a day. It just is what it is. And let it go on for longer. So hearing like the compliments coming in, hearing, you know, the working on yourself like that. You don't know what you don't know. And that is so important to know that like, you're just listening to other people's, um, you know, their, their, their perspectives, because that's the only way we're going to learn new ones. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also just really want to give you a lot of credit for noticing your relationship to yourself and how, how that could also impact your kids because by doing this work, you're breaking generational. Um, you're just, you're, you're, you're completely rewiring what's been, been likely passed down like at, on a very generational level too, because we, we all have have mm-hmm. this, like these stories and stuff that, that have been passed down that we adopt as our own and they aren't necessarily ours. And and we still have to, to take ownership of them and, and it's our responsibility to do something with them. But there are things that we can just take to be true, like I said before, that aren't necessarily true. And when we see what the ripple effect of doing this work can be, that can be the biggest motivator right, right there. Because sometimes we'll hear all the time that, you know, it, there has to be like internal motivation. And I, and I agree with that. But sometimes it takes external factors to trigger that internal yes. motivation. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that because that can be an incredibly powerful shift that can actually be what propels us forward into change. Absolutely. I mean, you know, just thinking about from a sobriety perspective and like, I like to talk about that sometimes because it's very tangible, but it's also mental health as well. Like, you know, sobriety and mental health are extremely linked. Uh, it's, you know, you have to, you can help lead somebody there. It's kind of like what an intervention is, right? But I don't really like that word because there's really no intervening. It's just you telling someone what you're seeing and then hopefully they see it because they have to make it themselves. They have to make that mm-hmm. decision. As mental health, that's everything that we have in life is, you know, how is the world impacting you? And then how are you impacting your immediate world around you? And, yeah. you know, perspective is, life is 90% perspective, right? Like that's what reality, that's the word I was looking for. Reality is 90% your perspective. Well, what if, what if you take that about yourself and you drop that down to 80%, 70%? And you can kind of just look at it, not necessarily from an objective point of view, but without your negative subjections into it, how would that help you do better? But you also have to watch out for that too, because sometimes I would look at people's actions and that, you know, if people tell you something 
And you're like, well, it must be true because all these people said it. Or all those people are biased in the same way and it's not actually true. So being able to walk that line is important. But knowing yeah. that the line is there is also important. It's basic um, groupthink. You know, like falling into groupthink is it can be really dangerous. And, and we, have, we also have to be just constantly watching ourselves for old patterns to come up. Because sometimes we can think that we've turned a corner, we're starting mm. to do something different, but it, it can't just be the same thing just wrapped up with a different bow. And we have to be really cognizant of that and, and really watching ourselves to see if we're falling into the same types of traps over and over again. Like just as, as one example of that, um, uh, a dear friend of mine is, is very aware of, of uh, some of like their relationship patterns and history and, and very aware, like far more so than most humans. And then they recently had a, a situation where they started to get interested in somebody who was actually showing very clear signs of some of these past patterns that, that you know, my, my friend had decided to no longer engage in. And this person said to me, once, once they figured it out, this person said to me that they were actually really disappointed in themselves, that they started to go down that road again, and, and that what a reminder it was of how important it is to be so conscious of what we're falling into. No, to even, to even figure that out, we have to figure out what our patterns are in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the, the step one is, is starting to really notice our patterns. And sometimes it can be helpful when we have other people around us who can help to point that out to us too, or, you know, mental health professionals or uh, coaches or wh- whatever is, is, uh, is the best fit for you. Sometimes we need help figuring out what those patterns are. But once we start to identify them, then we need to be really, really careful that we don't continue to fall into the same patterns just presented in different ways. And that's really the tough part. That it is. That's you know, hard work. <laughs> yeah. And that and you you hear that and you're like, that's that's homework. I don't really want to do homework. But right. really, <laughs> it's not really homework. It's it's more trying to figure out what you want from life and then working towards that. So that, I think that was my big hang up with all this is that I was like, I don't, I don't want to do homework. I'm like, I'm done. I have a good career, putting food on the table. Like my kids are happy. They love me. You know, um, I'm in a relationship. We're a really good team when we need to be like, this is, this is all working out. And then to just kind of like be able to take a step back and look and realize I was an autopilot. I would mm-hmm. wake up, do the same thing, go to work, get things done. Like, sure, I would have laughs and everything, but not really. Come home, feed everybody dinner, go to bed. Like, that was it. And, but I wasn't really, there was no me in there. There was no, you know, there was no RJ. It was, it was all do it, do it, do it. And then the weekend would come and be like, well, I don't, I don't want to do anything. Of course I didn't want to do anything. All my energy was going into work and hey. putting food on the table and like, that's it. So it's like, how much of this energy did I want to take that I didn't have and put into myself? And now it's like, I look back on it and I wasn't, because I was in autopilot and I was putting all my energy into this one area and I couldn't work on myself. Like it was scary because I thought I needed all this energy, but really all it was, was changing one or two things, being top of mind about what I wanted from my life. And going from there, because I still love that job. I still, you know, it would take 
it takes the time that it takes and it's helping people, you know, it's working on high voltage electricity. So when the power goes out, you have to go out and help people. And sometimes it's literally helping to save their life because they have a, a breathing machine. They have, you know, other equipment there. You literally, we had to put a hospital back into power not that long ago. Like that happens. So yes, it's helping people. But at the same time, you know, I had to figure out what I could change during work that would also help me after work. And that sounds like homework, but really all it is, is, you know, a change has to happen. Evaluating where that change could happen. It could be something really small. I mean, it could be instead of going to this gas station for coffee, I'm going to go to this gas station because the people are pleasant there or, you know, something as simple as that starts it. Or all we talk about at work is how everybody does everything wrong. Like nobody does it right except for us. No, we're not talking about that anymore. We're going to talk about ourselves or we're going to talk about, you know, what they lo- what they like they saw somebody else do that we should implement onto our own crew. Changing that mindset, it that did take work, but that also helped me not use so much energy and then be able to take it to myself too. So, I mean, that's a... It's a long way of going around that it's not necessarily homework. It's how you, to live your life, but you still, it's, you have to implement differences and find those. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, I couldn't agree more. And doing the research, man, it can be a pain, but sometimes it's fun. Sometimes you happen up across Emily Goff on this great <laughs> podcast that like you really connect with and. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> you bet. Sometimes you meet Jenny, who teaches you feeling words that yeah, just saying she's cool. She's so good at good. that. Yeah, <laughs> I do have her mug, but unfortunately, it's being washed. Otherwise, I'd show it right now. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I need to get one of those. <laughs> so, kind of wrapping up our conversation about being a friend to yourself, and honestly, just accepting yourself. Um, what would you like? people to take away from that um i'm gonna tie it in with um sort of self-love and self-like <laughs> let's call it that <laughs> the self-like <laughs> because i think that one of the one of the important parts here and and i know you and i've talked about this podcast episode that i did that that around this topic that really struck you um, some of the things that we haven't really talked about yet. One of them is to surround yourself with people who appreciate you for who you are rather than hating on who you are not. That's going to be really important. And we are going through a time right now, like I've never seen or experienced uh, of friendship breakups. I don't know if, if you or anybody mm. listening has, has noticed this happening, but I've been talking to a lot of people and I've seen this happening in my own life too, where there's just this reckoning happening where it's like a lot of people are realizing that they're puzzle pieces that may have fit together at one point, but no longer fit together anymore. And that's tough because that can also trigger a lot of loneliness when you're then in that awkward middle stage where you're maybe losing some people, but you haven't gained the new people yet. Mm-hmm. But it's really important. I, I feel like to really persevere through that. And, and we can talk a little bit more about loneliness specifically too, but if you are constantly surrounded by people who are giving you a tough time for who you should be, 
as opposed to just accepting you for who you are, mm-hmm. that may be a hindrance to your journey. Now that can also be part of the, the motivator factor, that external motivator that can be a catalyst, but within reason too. And, and you have to really decide for yourself where that line is. So that's something that I think is really important to, to remember. The other thing is that not everybody's going to like you. It's it, that's just, and and Mm. yes, I know we've all heard this before, but not everybody's going to like you. And your job is to show up as the kind of human that you like. That's it. If you want to talk about expectations, you have to have expectations for yourself and how you're going to show up in the world, how you're going to show up in your relationships, how you're going to show up for yourself, but to really manage your expectations for everybody else. So that's, that's part of that conversation as well is, is realizing that not everybody's going to like you and that's okay. Like you actually don't want everybody to like you because if everyone liked you, you would actually be a bit of a chameleon. And what I've seen in those instances are the type of people who can just kind of like blend into different situations and just like, they're the one that gets along with, with literally everyone. Yeah. And, and then my question with that is always, do, but do you actually know who you are? Because if, if you don't, then yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And I, and I don't just mean this about you. I mean, like, like for anyone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That like you're, you're going to maybe struggle with a lot of internal dissonance. There's going to be some internal strife going on within you because there are going to be some instances where you're maybe having to betray yourself and your own values in order to fit in with certain groups of people because you want to be liked. And What's more important, being liked by everyone else or being liked by yourself? You're the one that has to look you in the mirror every day. So which one's going to be more important? And the, the irony to that is that when you start liking yourself and you start showing up as someone who is true to yourself and in full alignment, I actually sometimes will paint a visual for people of like picture literally like a, a, a line going down the center of your body. Mm-hmm. That is true alignment. If, if you have values and anything like that, that, that you aren't showing up and embodying fully in alignment with yourself, you're going to be just outside that, that center line. And that can be enough to throw off everything. And when you are in full alignment, that's when you may actually feel a lot less lonely, not only within yourself, but that's also typically when you start showing up with, with the particular kind of energy that, that other people are drawn to and they're the right people. But when we're out of alignment and we're just blending in so that everybody likes us, that's a really uncomfortable place to be. And we may not even realize how uncomfortable it is until we experience something different, until we maybe experience showing up as our true selves with a particular group of people who's actually maybe really well suited to us. And then we're like, oh, this is what that feels like. I want more of that feeling of alignment. So that's something that we have to really pay attention to as well. And to hold ourselves to those expectations of ourselves, as opposed to wondering why everyone else maybe is disappointing us. Are we disappointing ourselves first? That's the more important question. That's, I'm really glad you brought that up. That's so <laughs> that's me. That's me. I'm the chameleon. Uh, <laughs> I really was like, you know, the, I, I'm a big Ghostbusters fan. I love comic books. Um, I, I really enjoy video games. I like movies. I'm a nerd. I was in a, um, you know, I, I surrounded myself with people that it was 
blue collar, like pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I'm a man, you know, kind of a thing. And I've, I wanted to be liked because I didn't like myself. So I wanted somebody to like me. Right. So yeah. And I did betray my values. I didn't speak up. I sat there quiet um, as people were insulting to other people. And, you know, it just, it, it, it ate away at my core and, you know, just being around the culture that I was around, we recently moved from Wisconsin to Virginia and like that was part of the catalyst to get me to the mindset I'm in because then I wasn't, you know, so like I have to love this culture because it's what I grew up in. It's what I used to love. Now it's, oh, it's a new culture. It's something and that where we are is such a melting pot. Like there's so many different cultures that is... I can find it's, you know, what, so I actually saw a Snoop Dogg video that kind of explained this a little bit. That is, I think it was amazing. And it was like two minutes and Snoop talked about, um, having, you know, your friends and you're right here and there's a little bit of a gap, but all of a sudden you start to do better in life and you start to grow and they don't do anything. And that gap gets bigger. Well, now you can't bridge that gap. And that's a lot of what we have going on right now, I think, is especially with our, um, you know, society actually talking about mental health and a few people actually diving in compared to what it used to be, where we used to whisper it and just a few people would step their toe into it. Now people are completely diving in. So you have the people working on themselves and the people who are fine with where they're at and that is going to lead to a lot of friendship breakups. I mean, I've experienced it myself and it stinks. It's hard. Like you said, one thing that's been nice about liking myself is I actually don't mind being alone with myself anymore. <laughs> so and that's, that's different. Important. That's important because <laughs> yeah. I, I teach people about that. I talk about that a lot. I'm like, you have to be able to spend a minimum starting rate of five minutes per day alone in silence. And when I assign that as homework, sometimes the look on people's faces, there, there is legitimate fear there mm -hmm. because they are so uncomfortable at the idea of doing that, even just for five minutes. And, and then after, over time, they start to crave it. They're like, Oh, I need, I need like my little bit of alone time. Even if it's just that tiny little amount. Cause I, I know it's tough. Like, you know, when there's kids and like, like jobs and all the things. So that's why I make it reasonable, you know, not like an hour a day of, of meditation and green juice. Like, no, no, <laughs> we keep things reasonable around here, <laughs> but yes, like five minutes. I, I really recommend that everyone spend at least five minutes per day alone, no podcasts, no music, um, no, no, nothing, no distractions, no screens, put everything away and to just be for five minutes. And it is uncomfortable. If you're not used to it, it is very uncomfortable because people avoid it because they, they don't, they're afraid of what they're going to find in the silence and what's going to come through to them in the silence. And that's the stuff that you need to dig into the most, even though it's going to be really uncomfortable. I love that. Cause it's true. I mean, yeah. we're afraid what we're going to find in the silence. Yeah. And I, you know, it's not easy looking and, seeing your flaws but then for some of us it's even scarier to see our strengths 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true too. Because, and we can also see maybe where we're falling short, even in the areas where we're strong. I, I love that you mentioned that actually, because I, I have struggled with that a lot lately about um, playing down my strengths. And I'm sort of at a do or die moment where I'm like, nope, no more. Like, no more. We're done. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I love that you mentioned that because that's the part of it that I think doesn't get brought up very often. And it's so true about, about noticing your strengths. And yeah, sometimes we, we surprise ourselves with them too. Like, what am I strong? Yeah. It's like something you thought maybe you were weak about. Maybe you're not. And exactly. yeah, that's it. It is nice to have this uh, introspection and then that meditation too. So a little tip for people too. Like sometimes I find it easier when I'm driving to just sit with no radio on, nothing. And like, yes. then you come I up to red lights. Too. Yeah. You come up to red yeah. lights and stuff and you can actually think. And like, yeah, I find, I actually find myself doing that um, quite a bit. So that's a, that's a place where you can start and then you can take that to other aspects of your life too. Yeah. So when I've been through dark periods in my life, I can't stand having anything on in the car. I'm like, nope, just nothing. No, yep. nothing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I will tell people that. I'm like, if you're so uncomfortable with the silence, start by doing it driving and then expand into, you know, like no distractions. But we'll, we'll allow the driving distraction temporarily to, to build the bridge <laughs> to get Absolutely. to where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that is. That's the thing is you're just building bridges. Yeah, you're building exactly. bridges to other things and. Um, it's important to just start, you know, I, I'm going to share something that, um, I I'm working with, with just a really incredible spiritual mentor and she's, she's fantastic. And she's been helping me around bridging the gap between where I am and where I'm going. And she, she's intuitive. So she, she speaks a lot about energy and it, it's making a lot of things make sense for me, actually, that I think I have felt my entire life, but I'm like, oh, you're giving words to like these things that I didn't really understand, like how I was feeling internally. Mm-hmm. And, and it's making a lot of sense. And the more I teach in it, people are really resonating with it as well. Like there's definitely a lot here to unpack. And one of the things she said is that, um, I'm not going to turn this into quantum physics lesson for multiple reasons. One is that we would be here for days. The other one is that I don't know enough about it to be watch Ant-Man and the Wasp. If you want quantum (laughs) physics. All right. Okay. Actually I should watch that. (laughs) But basically if we look at this from, from a quantum physics timeline, you know, the things that we're going to do have already actually happened just on a different timeline. That's where like, you know, these quantum leaps and stuff come in. Right. So she, I was, I was experiencing frustration about not being, yet where I want to go and like being in the vision that I have about where I'm going. And she said, energy that goes into the universe never dies. So she said, the reason why you feel so strongly about like, like where you're going and and these things that you're going to do is because you're bumping into the energy of things that have already happened. She said, it's already Hmm. happened. So she said, what you need to start doing then to start believing more, because she said, do you trust the future version of you? I'm like, yeah. She said, do you trust the past version of you? I was like, yeah, she got me here. I'm pretty impressed with her. She's like, so what don't you trust? I'm like the present version of me to get me to the future version. And she's like, okay, then what we need to do is then start on working on, on building the bridge to the future version of you. She said, because you already trust her. So 
every action that you take, every, everything that you do that makes you, you know, these are kind of like my words, like, like the 1% better, the sort of me versus me. Mm-hmm. So that every step that you take that way is going to lay another brick to the bridge to where you're going. And I don't know if that helps anyone or not, but I found that incredibly useful where I'm like, oh, wow, like every step, it, because when we can almost have a visual of like every action that we take is one more brick in the bridge to get us to like this. And I don't want to call it a destination because that's a dangerous game to play too. When, when we think of just like this destination, we, we desperately want to reach and we think we're going to feel so much yeah. differently when we get there. That's so it's not about that, but it's like building, building the journey to get us to where we're going that can be a really powerful way to have an actual visualization of, of sort of like laying out the red carpet for yourself as you go going, okay, this is, this is the path that I'm choosing to take. This is what I'm building for myself and it's getting me to where I'm going. That's pretty profound when you listen to it. It's, I mean, that, that is kind of what we're doing. And you know, um, I know a lot of people in sobriety, they say that they for you know need to forgive their past selves for what they were going through. I haven't. I'm not going to. But I had to go through where I was in order to be where I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean that I have to forgive my past self. But I did build a bridge from it because I don't, I don't want to go back there again. I don't want to... Um, I don't want to be that person. And that's kind of what's kept me going. So when you say, you know, being tepid about doing that and building the bridge, and that is important to remember. It's important to know what we're doing, to why we want to be our best selves and build those bridges. Because as you say, there, and it's scary to think about it like this sometimes because sometimes we just want it to be a destination. When can I just get to the beach and have my drink in a coconut and sit there and watch the waves? There's moments like that, but that's not life. That's no, no that's nobody's not. life. And and you'd be bored. You'd be bored because we we all still need like a sense of purpose. I'm not saying like yes, like go rest, like take the vacation, mm-hmm. do do whatever you need. Or set up your life, design your life in a way that allows you to do that regularly and often. But I, I, I would argue that even people who think that that will satisfy them for the rest of their lives, they won't actually be satisfied with that. There, there has to be some sort of inner sense of purpose, whatever that looks like, whatever they want to direct that towards that, that drives them a mm-hmm. little bit. We all need some sense of purpose to keep us going because when, when people experience any type of, of depression, it's usually come, you know, there's so many layers, obviously, and, and yeah. totally contextual looks different for everybody. But at the root of it is often something related to losing a sense of purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's part of um, what uh, part of my mindset to change and feeling my emotions that's helped me is instead of trying to get through the maze to get to the the good feelings Mm -hmm. like i've allowed my emotions to kind of like carry me so i'm almost like on a raft right and this is how i look at it in my mind i used to be actually dragging the raft behind me going through this maze and then just finding what i hate about myself and then focusing on that Mm -hmm. but now it's okay there's a wave i feel 
I feel really good right now. Like I feel content. But then there's a little bit of a down. Instead of when that down happens, panicking and jumping out of the raft, just letting it happen. Because guess what? That's part of life. And then it eventually you come back up. And don't be ashamed that you go down either because seriously, emotions just, it doesn't matter what it is. You could be having the best day ever. One thing happens and all of a sudden you feel really low about it. That doesn't mean go back and look and be grateful about the day that you've had, right? But it does mean that it's okay to feel that way. That's part of life. That's part of being a human. That's what we mean by emotions. And that was what I needed to kind of define for myself and find. Because I've been so ashamed of my emotions for my entire life, except for anger. And like, that's it. And, you know, that comes from being raised in the society that we are, that you're not supposed to feel. You're supposed to be a rock. Right. Especially for 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 men. And I know that we kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit too. So I'd love to talk about that. The one thing I want to say before we kind of get into that is I I love what you're talking about with emotions because I've started thinking about emotions very differently. Um, Even, even lately to me, emotions are about experiencing range. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is like the, the deeper you, you go into despair, the higher you can go in consciousness. And that's why so many people who have experienced really, really deep pain and suffering, I tend to find when, you know, when they've, they've had time to heal and everything else can better appreciate the highs of life and, and the joy and to celebrate the small moments Mm -hmm. there. I was just speaking to somebody who has experienced a, just a tragic number of, of deaths of people close to them over their life, um, especially in the last three years. And they, they said basically exactly that, which is, you know, I've learned to celebrate every moment that is good, even for the smallest little reason because of that. So it, it's often about increasing our, our range and we fucking hate it when we're, when we're in the depths of despair, that's Absolutely. not where it wants to be. Yes. That's like, we don't want to, to have any appreciation for that. And, you know, I'm not telling you to have appreciation for that in the moment, but later on, once you have moved through it, because spring always comes, it always does. No matter, no matter how, how shitty you're feeling today, that feeling will not last forever because feelings are not facts. So holding on to like a life raft, sometimes the idea that you will experience better days, even if you don't know when exactly those moments will come, that that will, that will get you through to being able to experience even more high highs than you were ever able to appreciate before. That's, that's true. That's that. And it, it, I really appreciate that you touched on that because it is true. Yeah. Um, do you have some more time to get into the other topic? Yeah. Okay, because we're at an hour and I don't I was, want to I really take too liked much. that you sent me that topic, actually. I thought I, it was really powerful. After I read it and thought about it for a little while, I'm like, you know what? I think Emily will enjoy this. So yes. the to- what we're talking about is uh trans man on I believe it was on Reddit, uh put a post up about how going from 
how culture is with women and then going into men and how the stark contrast difference there is and the loneliness that comes with being a man and what we're taught in society. So this, I read this and like, I was like, oh my goodness. So it's from Scaldish, S-K-A-L-D-I-S-H. And I retweeted on Twitter if you want to find it. Um, so I'll, I'll read the first part and then we'll go into that. And then there's another part that's bigger and goes more in depth. But I think the first part gets it across pretty well. I'm pretty quiet about the fact I'm a trans man usually, but holy shit, I need to tell you about the culture shock I'm going through because it's blindsiding me. There's a huge sense of social isolation that comes with being perceived as male because now people are subconsciously treating me as a potential predator. All strangers, no matter their gender, keep their guard up around me. It made me realize that there's no inherent camaraderie in male socialization as there is in female socialization. Of Unless, of course, it's in the very specific environments. And the fact that I am ambiently experienced this mutual kinship in basic exchanges anymore is an insanely lo- lonely feeling. You know how badly this would have fucked my mind up if I had grown up with this? And that I love that the post. It's I think it's incredible. I think it's important to hear. And it's something that only someone who experienced the other side and is going into that side could honestly put words to. Because I, I read that, and when you read the longer piece too, there's more specifics. But as a man, not knowing any other way, right? I, I've always felt like this need for uh, team and this need for I don't know, this want to be accepted. And it doesn't matter where I go, like, you know, if it's at the grocery store, if it's, uh, and they talk about this as well. Um, but like, people generally kind of shade away from you, no matter what. Even when I'm with my kids, uh, there's a lot of times people kind of give me weird looks. And at the park, especially like, you know, in the height of COVID, I would wear, sweatshirt and I'm bald so sometimes the wind would you know make me cold so I put my head up and I have my mask and my sunglasses on obviously I'm looked at as a predator in that scenario but it's like my kids see me and they're yelling daddy but people are still giving me weird looks and stuff it's we talk about toxic masculinity but it's more than that it's it's more it's deeper um and I'm not saying that white men have it difficult Everybody has it difficult, and I understand my privilege that I have. Um, but just talking about it, and I know men of color have it worse than what I do. And thinking about my friendships back when I was younger and how I've never had a deep emotional connection. Like, we've had a deep connection, right? We've been friends, do or die. But emotionally, did we actually have conversations that went deeper than I'm sad or went deeper than this sucks. Not really. No, I'm not. Recently I have with some new friends, but it's new. It's not something that I grew up with. It's not something that I felt was accepted. But then when I look at like friends and everything, it's like a lot of boys are mommy's boys. And it's like, why is that? 
Because it's well, the only, you, only woman in your life that accepts you for you. Right. <laughs> but you know what's interesting is that there's actually been a lot of a lot of science done about this that women tend to, and we're speaking heterosexual heterosexually here, but so it would look different uh, potentially with within different communities. But yep. within the heterosexual, anyone who's, who identifies as heterosexual, women if you ask them who their, who their, you know, main, um, emotional support is, it's usually other women, even if they're partnered with a male men, you ask men who their main emotional support is. If they're in a relationship, it's with the woman. Yeah. And, and I see this play out over and over again, that, that men are so in some cases desperate without even necessarily realizing how desperate they are to have some of these, these more intimate conversations that the only person that they know, the, the only person or people that they know to go to about this and that they maybe even feel safe enough to go to about this are the women that they are involved with romantically. But then that can also be difficult on the relationship because if it ends up coming out as like emotional dumping, then that's actually going to drive the woman away. Yeah. Because you know, like no, nobody wants that because it needs to be like mutually reciprocal. And, and it's sort of like a, yes, like I, I'm here for you. I want to create this emotional connection, intimacy with you, but I'm also not your emotional dumping ground, but I understand why, why this dynamic plays out sometimes because men are, it, it, it's like they're in the desert, in the desert and they're, they're, they're thirsty. They are so thirsty because they are just searching for, for, abundance of water. And that's what it looks like to them. It looks like an oasis in the middle of a desert because they have so little support. This is why I love getting to work with men because all the men that come into my realm are such good men, like such huge hearts. They are so kind. They're so lovely and they just need more support. They that's all they're looking for is like more support to get them to where they're going so that they can show up as, as better partners, as, uh, as better friends to their, their male and their female friends, just as better humans in general for themselves. And this is really important. I was so glad that you sent it because it's such a unique perspective. Like there are not that many people who are going to have that experience of transitioning from one to the other and getting to truly experience the culture shock yeah. of going from one to the other. That is significant. And I don't even really like um, actually using the term toxic masculinity because I think that everyone has a different definition of it. And I tend to be careful with the word toxic in terms of like emotional health and stuff anyway, because I think that that could be a little bit, I have a lot of thoughts on that. We, we can talk about that. <laughs> <in a minute. laughs> but just sort of the idea of masculinity, I understand what, what it, you know, the general idea that people try to sort of envelop with that though. And this, this underlying sense of the only emotion that you as men are allowed to express safely, not, not safely. That's the wrong word. Um, without, without quite as much judgment, it's more expected for men and, and more, uh, socially acceptable for you to accept, to express anger. Yes. Whereas as opposed to sadness, whereas culturally speaking, this is very broad brush strokes, but Culturally speaking, women are not particularly um, accepted when they express anger. They're sort of just written off a little bit, like, oh, like just the angry, angry like, woman. And you're that's emotional. even worse for Why women. Why are you of so color. emotional right now? Yes. It's, it's so much worse for women of color. There's this whole awful stereotype about like the angry black woman that is yep. just terrible. And there's there's so many systemic issues here that need to be 
unpacked so that everyone can feel a little bit safer to be able to show up in the world. But I hate to keep bringing it back to this, but it, some of it has to start from within and like reconciling some of these emotions for ourselves mm -hmm. and then starting to change the culture a little bit, especially as males about trying to find and seek out some of these safe spaces. I, I know um, we talked before we got on about my, my friend Trevor Bowen that I, I recommend to anyone who's looking to talk more about this conversation around masculinity. I've had him on my podcast twice. He's just amazing. And, and he talks about this a lot, like this whole idea of like anger is just the, the fuel and, and, and pain can be the fuel, but those types of fuel to keep you going, it burns so hot that it's not sustainable. And, and you have to learn to like increase your range, but where does that come from? That comes from being able to create really beautiful, healthy, fulfilling connections with other humans. And it is important for men to have other men, like for men to have male friends. I, I would, I would be, if I ever got involved with someone who did not have, um, if I ever got involved with, with a man who, who did not really have like male friends, that would be concerning for me. I'd be like, ah, oh, I feel like I'm going to end up as like your main source of support and, and like, but like your only source of support. And that's not going to be good for you, me, or the relationship. And like, I want you to have a full, healthy, fulfilling life that then we get to be beautiful additions for each other. So it's really important to, to find ways to unpack that, but this starts that this has roots like that have to have to really be transfigured into a very different culture for men and women play a role in, in, in helping be supportive of that too. It's not, it's not just on men. Like I think that everyone has a role here to play in, in helping to, to foster those connections. And I think, um, you know, the roots of this, it really is kind of like poison Ivy. And what I mean by that is, you know, you have the the leaves that are poisonous, but if you don't know, and I found this out the hard way, like the roots of poison ivy are the most poisonous part. So really? you get that on you. That. I I know from experience, you get That's the roots on you, and it's way worse. So Ooh. um they so you have to we have to approach it with gloves on, right? And you need to be top of mind. But like I've where I thinking back on my life, where I have experienced this the most is not just like how people approach me in life, but it's when I'm genuinely kind. I'm genuinely a kind person to a fault. Most people, when I am kind to you, expect that I'm doing it for a reason. What is that reason? Mm -hmm. Why are you being kind to me? You must want something. This isn't real like, you know, you... And then they turn insulting to try to get me to, I don't know if they think that it's going to make me like come out with the truth or whatever, but it's like, that hurts even more because I've been kind to you and now you're going to be insulting back to me. So then that just drives me away or puts my walls up even more. It's, right. um, and what I think it starts with obviously is teaching our kids it's okay to feel their emotions mm -hmm. it's okay to talk about your emotions from a deeper level but it's also cre talking about it but creating spaces where in a safe environment men can make connections and then you know with other men and then 
if women want to, they can also come in and make connections with men in a safe environment, right? That's and that's tough to tough to do as well because obviously there's crappy people everywhere. And you know, when you've been desperate for water being con- deep connections, you know, sometimes you're just poisoned. And mm. how do you how do you kind of start to heal that uh in a healthy setting i it's it's a difficult process to think about but it's something that i would love to try to tackle it's something that you know at untap keg we've kind of started talking about it like when we talk about our journey i'm open about it and i'm not just open about the the highs the goods i'm also open about the struggles the things that are challenging me. And it's not to gain sympathy. It's to allow others to see that, you know, it's not just unicorns and rainbows. Like unicorns have to poop too. So there's still poop. <laughs> they poop like Smarties or something, right? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's so true though. And I, I think that sometimes there may be instances where, you know, similar to, to what you guys are doing, like creating the spaces. Yeah. If you can't find, if you can't find the spaces, you may need to create the space. And that might seem a little bit weird at first. It doesn't mean you have to like, you know, make it public. Like you guys have, I always talk about, you know, it starts from it with just like, like one conversation can start something. Yeah. And maybe a friend of yours, a male friend of yours is, is having a tough time. Maybe you reach out to him and just let him know that you're actually a safe space to open up to about the heavy side of things, because he may not even know that you may both be walking around thinking that, Oh, well, you know, if he needs something, he knows I'm here for him. And, and the other one's thinking the same thing about you. But if, if you aren't actually having those conversations, there might be a lot of assumptions made. And then the, the connections never actually happen because of that. So I think the communication piece is really, really important here to start to open some of those connections at all. And don't assume that other people know that you maybe are a safe space. And if you are going to be the one to create safe spaces, be again, and again, I mean this even just like on a one-on-one level, not necessarily like a public Mm -hmm. level, but be really mindful of your reactions when people tell you things and your judgments and to approach things with compassion, because I have seen this play out before, even by people in the coaching industry, which is a little bit alarming to me where someone will tell them something that they're having a hard time with. And, and the reaction there, there's just, there's one particular person I'm, I'm thinking of that I, I, I watched this play out like personally and their reaction was, was kind of over the top and it made the other person then feel even worse about something they already felt unsure of. And it happened to be uh, like, like two women, but I'm like, ah, that's, you know, it just, it's really important. If somebody is going to tell you something significant, I've also had, um, a very dramatic, and I'm not going to get into it all, but it, a very dramatic relationship uh, blow up that I kind of referenced a little bit at the beginning. You can go listen to my podcast if you want to hear about it. <laughs> and um, part of when that first happened, 
I, I hardly told anyone for months because anytime I did tell anyone, I ended up having to comfort them. I had to manage their reaction. And I'm like, this is not helpful to me. So I just completely shut down about it, except with the people that I, I knew were very safe spaces for me and didn't talk about it at all. So this is something really to be really cognizant of is that we're paying attention to how we are reacting and, and not that you necessarily need to keep like, like a poker face, right. but just to have <laughs> a, a welcoming atmosphere for sharing, as opposed to being so reactionary that then the other person just shuts down. So when you are having these conversations, like have the, the communication, um, don't make assumptions and, and create really safe, judgmental free spaces for people to come to you. That's going to be the most important part, like, and, and doing all of the above with compassion. I think that's the most important word is the compassion. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think this entire episode, right, it's not just compassion for everybody else, but yourself. And, Absolutely. you know, um, as a man who slogged through it, like, I still, I have people in my life that will attack me for being open uh, because it makes them feel a certain type of way. Right. Like, that's not, yeah. that's not my fault that what I'm talking about and what I'm uh, trying to better about myself is making you feel a certain type of way. And, you know, that's hard to balance. Like when you're talking with somebody, being able to be compassionate about them, but not, Make it so that they have to worry about your reaction. And it's already going to happen. I, especially, you know, talking about it as a man who, when I was first trying to have my emotions, have it met with people kind of, uh, I want you to talk about your emotions, but not like that. Nope. Or no, you know, you're not supposed to talk about it, especially in this moment. You're not supposed to talk about your emotions like that. Like, let's let's come back to this in about a month (laughs) that's how it feels whether it's actually a month or just like let's come back to this a little bit later like it feels like oh i'm not actually okay to talk about it so Mm -hmm. you know i think when you have a friendship and this is going to the recipient and the person trying to share having your boundaries which comes down to the communication like known like hey you know, I've used a lot of energy this week. I need to save what I have right now. Um, I really appreciate you sharing with me, but I don't know if I, I'm not a person to talk about this with right now because I can't help you. I could barely help myself. Like something like that is, and then when you hear that, it's not about you. You might think that it is because it feels kind of personal, but that just, that's, it's okay that they're like that. And that's why, and this is hard too. trying to find multiple places for an outlet. It's hard. well, and something that, and I agree with you too, about, you know, yeah. placing the boundaries it's manage your energy. I, I was actually thinking this. I'm glad that you voiced it. Um, the one thing that I will say too, is if you can to maybe let them know when it, when it maybe would be a good time. If, if you yeah. know when it, when it might be a good time, like if you, you know, if it's Friday, you've worked a full week, you're exhausted. And somebody's like, Hey, I, I really need to speak to you about, about this, this hard thing I'm going through, maybe you, and, and this needs to be true for you, obviously, Mm -hmm. but just as one example, you might be like, Hey, I really want to talk to you. 
been a long week. Let me get a good night's sleep. Um, touch base with you either tomorrow or Sunday, and then let's have a chat. And, and then that also gives that, that reassurance to them too, that you're not just leaving them hanging out in the wind either while still being true to yourself and maintaining your boundaries and your own energy. That's important. I like that. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Yeah, of course. I think that <laughs> this could be an entire episode on itself, like, you know, and then just like digging into it because I think reading that second part where it's really broken down in the comments as well, like it, it really dives into it in a level that it hit me in the heart because it's like somebody was talking about something that I've, and it's not even like feeling so much as it is just like being as you're being. So when you're being, you don't know kind of what's going on almost. And that's why autopilot can be so dangerous, but like here, see, Seeing those words written out, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. So, um, I think, I think we'll put a to be continued on this because I think we did a really nice job there. Um, and I want, you know, I want to be respectful of your time and also my time. My kids are, they're ready to go to the park. So (laughs) Emily, thank you so much for being on this show. Where can people find You're you? You're so welcome. Yes, for sure. So I'm over at Emily Goff Coach on Instagram. So Goff, uh, I'm sure it's spelled here somewhere, but it's G-O-U-G-H. And I'm over at the Room to Grow podcast as well. There's over 300 episodes to dive into. So we have lots of material for you to get started on. Binge on if you want to. And uh, over at emilygoffcoaching.com too. <laughs> All of that is listed already in the show notes. So if you reference awesome. those, you'll see them. Um this has been this has been a treat. It was everything I was hoping it would be. And Aww, thank you. You know, we're we're Untapped Keg, podcast about sobriety and mental health, spotlighting stories that bring hope and love. We're available on all podcast platforms and you can find us on YouTube, Untapped Keg on all social medias. Our DMs are open. If you need to talk, reach out. If you need help finding resources, reach out. We'll help you. And let's try to be better tomorrow than we were today. At least if we don't make it, we try. Have a good week, everybody. Thank you. Love you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.